We are now going to take on the first 14 cantos of Tennyson's In Memoriam, A.H.H. I say take on because there is some work involved. Tennyson's images are so fresh and inventive, his words so particularly chosen, and his thoughts so profound that we can't expect to absorb his meaning with the casual reading we might give to the morning news. I intend to do this work along with you. I've read this poem before, sitting by a pool on a summer vacation, weeping over those passages I could grasp with modest effort. But I've never made a careful study of it, stanza by stanza. We will do that together. It will be worth it. This is perhaps the world's most beautiful testament to friendship. It was a favorite of Queen Victoria, who said, quote, Next to the Bible, in memoriam is my comfort, unquote. Here is what I propose. Listen to or read the prologue and first 14 cantos of the poem. Then choose at least one and spend some time with it. Look up words you don't know. Contemplate the images. Do a little research if necessary. Try to turn that canto into plain English prose. Then, if you wish, send me your translation by email or post it to the Facebook group. I promise to do that for all 14, and I will share those translations with you next week in my commentary. After each stanza has been translated, go back and listen to the whole thing. What at first seemed inscrutable will have transformed itself into something intoxicating. I find it to be a truly magical experience to read a poem I can't initially decipher, put in some work, and then reap the emotional rewards. Now, as context for this poem, and as motivation for your labors, I want to tell you a little bit about Tennyson and his friend, the man to whom he dedicated this poem. Tennyson led a troubled childhood that included a mentally unstable, drug-abusing, alcoholic father, a family plagued by epilepsy, which at the time was thought to have been brought on by sexual excess, and mental illness leading to the institutionalization of more than one of his siblings, all of which led people to refer to the black blood of the Tennysons. Tennyson is said to have escaped these troubles through poetry. He began writing poetry as a child and was first published at the age of 17. He attended Trinity College, Cambridge in 1827, where he joined a secret society of elite students called the Cambridge Apostles, which is where he met his best friend, Arthur Henry Hallam, A.H.H. Hallam was regarded as the most brilliant man of his Cambridge generation, and the two became fast friends. Biographers assert that the friendship between the two men was the most intense emotional experience of Tennyson's life. This poem would seem to affirm that assertion. In the spring of 1831, Tennyson's father died, requiring him to leave Cambridge before taking his degree. Tennyson was left with only a very modest allowance, but he refused his grandfather's offer to help him secure a place in the church. He said then, as he said all his life, that he would be a poet 
however dismal the prospect of earning a living. Tennyson and Hallam's friendship persisted after his departure from Trinity, and they were brought even closer when Hallam became engaged to Tennyson's sister, Emily. For the time being, Hallam and Emily kept the engagement a secret from their families, knowing that his father would likely object to a union with the black blood of the Tennysons. Tennyson and Hallam were involved together in a harebrained scheme orchestrated by Hallam to take money and secret messages to revolutionaries who were plotting to overthrow the Spanish government. Hallam had political fervor. Tennyson was excited for a trip abroad. Apparently, Hallam's fervor only moderately waned when the two learned of the dubious motives of the revolutionaries. Tennyson soon faced the most difficult period of his life. His second publication, which included the immortal Lady of Shalott, was almost universally damned. Meanwhile, Hallam, who had announced his engagement to Emily and, as expected, been refused support by his father, decided to accompany his father to Europe in an attempt at reconciliation. While in Vienna, Hallam died of a cerebral hemorrhage stemming from a congenital deformity. One biographer says of the effects of this tragedy, quote, Emily Tennyson fell ill for nearly a year. The effects of Hallam's death were less apparent externally in Alfred, but were perhaps even more catastrophic than for his sister. Unquote. Tennyson himself said of the time, quote, I suffered what seemed to me to shatter all my life, so that I desired to die rather than to live. Unquote. It was Hallam's death that motivated some of his most beautiful poetry, including Ulysses and In Memoriam A.H.H. In Memoriam was written over a period of 17 years. It is an account of all his thoughts and feelings, from spiritual experiences to nostalgic reminiscences to philosophic speculations, as he copes with the loss of his dearest friend. It is divided into 133 sections of at least four stanzas each. In his own note on the poem, Tennyson says, quote, the sections were written at many different places, and as the phases of our intercourse came to my memory and suggested them. I did not write them with any view of weaving them into a whole, or for publication, until I found that I had written so many." Unquote. The poem moves from Tennyson's absorption in grief as he recalls the ship that brought his friend's remains and endured painful reminiscences of their childhood together to philosophic speculation about life after death and the possibility of contact between the living and the dead, to resolution to turn from grief over the past, to glorification of his friend's memory, to faith in the future of humanity as a consequence of a learned faith in the omnipotence of love. I think it is the most beautiful, honest, heartfelt, passionate account of friendship I have ever encountered.